Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Cool, cool, cool. Well, well, welcome to the last ever 11 a.m. service here in Five Dog. You guys are a part of history because you will never ever sit at an 11 a.m. service here at 120 Great North Road, Five Dog. But I promise you that there will be an 11 a.m. service out in Leichhardt because God is growing His church and the people need to be saved. And we're only going to stay for one service for I think only, let's go a year. Let's say one year, one one service and then bam, we're going to multiply. We're going to see thousands of people get saved. We're going to have two services, three, hey Leon, we're going to have four, Maybe five services on a weekend. Are you ready? Are you guys ready for what is going to happen? He's freaking out, but mate, God is not done with us yet. Amen. Hey, you want to look? I want to give a quick shout out uh, to different people. One, I want to I want to honor our our pastor, our senior pastor Leo Nicotra. You know what? For the last two weeks, he has faithfully shared on tithes and offering, and it is not one. Of, it's one of the hardest subjects I think to be able to speak boldly uh, in front of uh, thousands because it was on live and all that. And I just want to say, mate. You've done it with such true humility. You live out what you preach. And we want to honor you for being so bold, um, not just to preach to us, but to help us unlock something that God wants to do through us in being generous. I want to say thank you so much. And the second person is actually a group of people I want to thank on behalf of our eldership team. What we, we want to thank is each and every single one of you who calls this place GC Life Home, those who are watching online, anyone who's sown over the Heart for the House weekend, Man, $1 million raised, over $1 million we have. You tell me another organization that, that people are so sold out for that they are willing to give sacrificially above and beyond their normal tithes and offerings for something like this. We want to say thank you because it would never have happened without your faithfulness. So thank you so much. Honestly, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus, thank you that you are our greatest gift, Father, that you supply all our needs, Father. We thank you for who you are. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we are excited to be here. And um, I want to say this, half of the house. You might be thinking, why are these still on my seats? Is it because you printed too many? No. (laughs) It's because you didn't take them home. No, I'm joking. This is not just a one-off weekend. Half of the house isn't just a time where you just gave and then that was it and it's over. Half of the house, I believe, should be the mantra in all our lives. That we have continual a heart for this house, for his house. And it's not just, I gave once and that's it. No, 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 no. This is an ongoing process where we are continually sowing in to God's house because he has a plan and he wants to use the church to accomplish his mission here on earth. And it's a mantra. It's who we are. So what you sowed, you need to expect to harvest, expect to see the fruits from the seeds you have sown. And and, and so we're continuing our series on grace to give. We are grace to give. And as we continue this series, we continue the mantra that's on our hearts, that we want to give our hearts for this house. So tonight, this morning, sorry, we're going to be looking at practically what it means to give of your gifting what it means to give of your talents, and how we can sow our gifts to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Amen? 
You see, Matthew 11, 11, Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. It suffers violence, and forceful men have been laying hold of it. See, there are forces of evil that oppose the church. There are forces of evil that oppose the word of God, and there are violent men working against God and, he, and, and the church in this world. So the kingdom of heaven requires you and I to be deliberate. He requires you and I to be purposeful and determined into action to advancing his kingdom. It doesn't need, the kingdom of heaven it doesn't need a church to lay back and give an offering and that's it. No, but we need to be purposeful in our action into taking heaven on earth everywhere we go. Amen? So, it won't happen passively, but with determined action. The title of this message is, Advancing the Kingdom as One. Advancing the Kingdom as One Body. And each of us has a gift waiting to be sowed into the kingdom. Now, when you hear this message, we're talking about the king and his kingdom. So I want you to hear in the context of we are here to advance his kingdom. Yes, A, through the church as one, but B, wherever you may wherever you may live, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, where you're at, we need to be advancing the kingdom together. So please hear it in the context of your situation. Here together, but then together out there in the world, because we need both here and there. Amen. So we don't give our gifts and talents. You know, you don't, I don't, we don't want you, John Mendukas, to give your talent. We want you to sow your talents. We want you to sow and to invest in this because it means we're invested in this. I don't know if you've ever um, done any kind of investments before, whether it's stocks or whether it's uh, the, the latest phase is our good old cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And, um, but I don't know whether you, if you invest or not, but here's the deal. You don't Give an investment. You, you don't gamble your money. It's not a quick fix. I want $100. I want $1,000 by next week. You're invested in because you believe in the product you're investing in. And you're waiting for a short-term result. You're in it for the long haul. When we give, we give only like, I only give out of my circumstances. But when we invest, it's we invest into our future. We're here for the long haul. We invest and we sow in because we truly truly believe in what God is doing in and through this place. Amen. And also we don't, we don't give, because hear me, we do give. Like we understand we give, right? But I love what Leo says, when you, when you give, when you sow, it, it might leave your, your hand, but it never leaves your life. Because when you sow, you expect to reap. See, when you give of your time, it becomes circumstantial. Do I feel like it today? I might not give out of because of my circumstances, but when you sow, you are determined by your revelation. God has spoken. I have believed in this, and I'm determined to sow despite my circumstances, despite what my bank account says, despite how I might be feeling this morning, despite whether I slept or not last night. Amen, Leon. Can I get it? We invest... Because of the faith we have in Christ. So, we are graced to give. This is the series title. But you are graced to give what only you can give. Kurt, you're graced to give only what you can give. 
Dan, you're graced to give what only you can give. You're not graced to give what Leon can give. Leon's not graced to give what Fung can give. You are only graced to give what you can give. Do you know that saying, you do you? You know, it's that whole saying, it's like, you do you, man. Like, I'll do me, you do you. You know what? We need to get to a point where we give what only we are called to give, not what other people are called to give. We're not looking to the left and right and going, what are you doing? What are you giving? I might give because of that. No, no, I'm giving because of a hard revelation. I'm going to give what only I am graced to give. Amen? So number one, you do you. <laughs> I actually hate that phrase. Leon says it to me all the time. <laughs> it was meant to be my sermon title. Hashtag, you can call it you do you if you want, but it's true. We got to do what we're called to do together. Not on our own. There's no lane rangers in the, in, in the Christian faith. We're all in this together. Hey, if Jesus needed a team of 12, guess what? We can't do this on our own either. Amen? So, number one, if you're graced to give what only you can give, we need to advance His kingdom together as one body. It won't happen unless we serve together by, side by side. Side by side. We're going to look at Nehemiah for a little bit. Yeah, Jade, you love Nehemiah, hey? She's obsessed with that book. It got me inspired to read it. It's a phenomenal book. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. You're going to call your child Nehemiah, Jade? <laughs> Nehemiah Lee. <laughs> Unless it's a girl, don't call it. If it's a girl, it's not Nehemiah. <laughs> All right. What are you going to name if it's a girl? I'm joking, I'm joking. All right. So... All right, let's get to it. So Nehemiah, <laughs> he's an incredible man. And um, he's a great example of great leadership. See, he's a man who motivated the people to build the walls of Jerusalem back up. He goes, let us arise and rebuild. And he does. They had the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's in, laying in ruins, for those who don't know. Uh, they've been attacked and the walls are down. So the walls are down, everybody. The gates are shot up and um, it's fire. And they're now exposed to enemy attack. There's people living in there and they're exposed. And, and, and Nehemiah gets this revelation from God. See, he's, he's not living in Jerusalem. He's actually in Persia. He's, no, he's, he's not there. And he, he's actually the king's cupbearer. So he's in a very esteemed place. And he hears the cry of the people, but he hears from God to do something and um, to rebuild the wall. And this is what it says. Uh, saying of Nehemiah, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province uh, and are back in the province area are in great trouble and in disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah 1.9, speaking of God, God was declaring this, if you return to me and obey my commandments, then even if your exiled people are out from the farthest horizon, I will gather them from here to there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as my dwelling for my name. What I love about Nehemiah is this. Nehemiah wasn't like Ezra. Okay, He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet like Malachi. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't paid to do any of this. He was a layman's person. He was just an everyday guy. And the difference between him and everyone else, he made God's business his responsibility. We need to be making God's business our responsibility. It's not your responsibility, Heidi. It's not Tony's responsibility. It's not Leon's. It's my responsibility. When it becomes my responsibility, I have ownership to advance in the kingdom. But in 
becomes the paid people's responsibility or the highly anointed ones, then we don't actually feel like we should do anything because it's not my responsibility. But you know what, church? It is our responsibility. He made God's purpose his responsibility. And the task was huge. He had to rebuild a wall. And, 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 and this wall went for a, a, a kilometers. It was huge. It had gates. It had a whole bunch of sections to it. And he couldn't do it alone. And so what he did, he took an army of faithful people. You know, you just sung that song. There's an army rising up. And I think it's the time is now when the army rises up, sees the cry of God's heart and goes on it and goes, there's a mission at hand. I'm going to work side by side to get the job done. We all want to be Nehemiah's. He's a great leader, but we need to be great followers as well. We need to be people who are willing, doesn't matter what our title is, to lay it down and serve the king. Amen? Read Nehemiah 3.1. I will. So my note said read, so it says this. Then, where are we? Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They concentrated it and hung its doors. They built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, and as far as the other Tower of Hanel. Next to Elisha, the men of Jericho built. And next to him, this is in chapter 3, Zachar, Zachul, the son of Imram, Im, oh my goodness, built. And also the sons of Hasinah built the fish gate. And they laid its beam. If you keep reading, it goes, and next to him, and next to him, and next to him, and next to him, and next to him. It's an account of families working together side by side to rebuild God's um, Jerusalem back up. And it's, it's incredible. It's faithful people working side by side with other faithful people. No one person was too big for this task. But this task is too big for only one person. And what I love about it, it's, it's each, each one focused on the task that was given to him. There's a piece, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Each person focusing on their one bit, working side by side. They didn't say, hey, I'm a priest, I'm too good for this. Or, hey, I don't even know how to, like, you got to understand all that he used uh, sons and daughters and mothers and children, and they don't know anything about brick masonry, but yet, God, they worked all together side by side. They gave it their all. Why? Because King Jesus is worth giving everything to. He's worth everything. After every Everything he has done for me, I'm going to give it my absolute all side by side. There's no, there's no disunity. There's no offense. There's no one comparing. They're all working as one cohesive team, fully in love with their God and passion towards the mission. Number two. Number two is this. Along that line, that means you might have to do something you don't want to do. <laughs> Correct. Hey, hey, you know what? Before I got married, um, I didn't do the laundry. I had a full-time maid. And um, my full-time maid did my laundry. She, she washed all my clothes. Um, she folded everything. And then um, she, she put my undies away. It was the best, right? And then I got married. And I just thought, well, there's a full-time maid in this house. Surely there's going to be a full-time maid in this house. Well, that maid didn't get the memo um, because all of, like that, 
she, all of a sudden, I had to wash my clothes. I had to fold my undies. I thought it was the maid's job, but it wasn't the maid's job. And you know what? I don't have a passion for folding clothes and putting them away. I actually don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to clean out the kitty litter. I don't like dealing with poo. I don't like cleaning the toilets. But you know what? I do it anyway because we're a team. We do whatever it takes as husband and wife to actually get our house in order. And I believe we've got to follow Jesus' example. Jesus, the creator of the world. He doesn't clean feet. He creates feet. But He humbled Himself to clean someone else's feet. And I think we need to make sure that we're not too good to be cleaning toilets, to be doing whatever it takes in our workplaces. Maybe you're the one who has to go in early. Maybe you're the one who does what, maybe you're the boss of of a company and you're the one sweeping. Do it. Advance the kingdom. Do what no one else is doing to see things no one else is seeing in their lives. Amen. Number two, we want to see the kingdom advance. Remain mission focused. Remain mission focused. Don't take your eyes off what's in front of you. The Israelites were mission focused because where there's a mission, there's going to be opposition. Let me say it again. Where there's mission, there will be opposition, okay? But this is what I don't believe. Uh, If you have a look, if you read Nehemiah 4, 1 to 6, the enemy rose up and it says that they heard that they were rebuilding the war. They were furious and indignant and they mocked the Jews and they started to mock the Jews. But what I love is the, what I love is Nehemiah's response, which we'll get to in a minute. But you need to know when you're about to start advancing for the kingdom, the enemy is going to start to want to oppose you. Now, here's the deal, right? You've heard it said greater levels, greater devils. I choose not to believe that. If you want greater devils in your life, cool, quote that scripture. It's not scripture. It's just made up, right? But greater levels does not mean greater devils. Greater levels means greater protection. It means greater anointing. It means greater empowerment. Hey, it means greater level of authorities. Greater levels are defeated devils, okay? He cannot take you out. He cannot take you out. But what he'll try to do, he can't take you out of God's will, then he'll distract you out of God's will. By not focusing on what's in front of us, he'll all of a sudden be distracted by the voices around us. And I love what Nehemiah says. He he goes, after I looked things over, I stood up to the people. I stood what I'm saying to you now. And he says this, do not be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your sons and daughters and your wives and your home. Hey, when the voices of negativity is rising up, do not give it airplay. You know, the children of Israel did not stop the work to fight the enemy. They continued on their work. And the Bible says this, they had one hand to the ball, one hand on the sword. We need to have our hands busy. An idle hand is the devil's playground. Whatever that looks like for you, one hand to advance the kingdom and one hand on your sword. Ready for whatever voices are coming up. Don't stop what God's called you to do to fight the enemy. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord. He has been defeated, but you need to be prepared when he comes, continue the work. And when he hear you hear something that's not of God, kabam, get it out of there with the word of God. Amen. Don't be distracted by what the enemy wants to say. Distractions will come. And then you're going to start fighting battles you were never caused to fight. You were never meant to fight. The moment you get your eyes off, you'll fight battles that God said, what there? What? 
Don't fight that battle, man. Keep going straight. Leave it. I've got it. Don't be contained. Don't be happy with the affairs of the world. Go after me. Go after me. Jesus says this in 961, Luke 961. No one who puts their hand to a plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom. You're not fit. We're not fit for the service of his kingdom, not just here at church, but in workplaces anywhere, if we are plowing and continue looking back. Now, we're not an agricultural society at the moment. There's only one person in this room who's lived on a farm, who loves their farm, and that is Katie Brown. Howdy, partner. So if I'm wrong, correct me, not on stage. Um, I'm right, right? When you're plowing, you're, 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 you're creating these furrows, am I said it correctly? Yep. And you've got to make sure that you're, you're fixated on one mark straight ahead of you. Am I right, Katie? And so why are you doing that, Katie? It's so, it's so the thing behind you is straight, right? The concept is you're about to sow seeds, and you want this whole field to be straight lines, beautiful straight lines, not crooked lines. Because if there's crooked lines, you're not going to be able to make the whole field straight. And then you're going to have to fix those crooked lines, and it's going to take more work and take more effort. And Jesus is saying... Fix your eyes on me. Put their hands on the plow. Don't look back because the moment you look back, you're going to go off an inch and then you're going to create um, curves in your walk that you have to go and fix later. And it's more effort and it's more time. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not the past, not what was, not around you, but right in front of you. And hey, if you've let go of the plow, your God is faithful. Put your hands back on. And keep marching. Amen. Amen. Number three is this. Come on. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying, man. I want your shoes. Number three. I'm a size 11. Hey, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not, church. Hey, bro, they're my size. Number three. Number three. I want the other shoe after this. Don't distract me. <laughs> Throw the shoe quick. <laughs> right, quick, quick. I've got like literally a couple of minutes. No backsies. All right, cool. Number three. Hey, we're one army, one unit, advancing the kingdom of heaven. You know what that means? That means you need to understand that you, say me, say I, you are individually crafted for his purpose, just as you are, just as you are. Each thing we do, you're an accountant, building guy, whatever your title is, retail, not you. There's no less, no, he was talking about, hey, there's no lesser role than the other. Do you know that Jerusalem wasn't just built with one wall around the whole thing? There are gates on this wall. There was a sheep gate, and that gate was for the ceremony. They would, they would get the sheep in. They would kill it for the sacrifice of the atonement of sin. There was a fountain gate, and that gate was for the cleansing. Um, there was also uh, a fish gate, as I mentioned before. And that's for the trade and fish and people can eat. You know, there was also a dung gate. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, there was a gate specifically for the poo to come in and out of the city, and it was someone's job to make sure all the poo was released out of that gate, and what I read in Scripture is that no one complained about what they were asked to do. 
Because there's no job too great or too little in comparison with one another. If God's asking you, what is in your hand? See, this is the key for today. The world highlights what they see in their eyes as important. What I'm doing right now in the world's eyes is very important because you're influential, which it is. I'm an influential. I have a mic, you're listening, right? But it's not as important and it's not more important as the guy on the camera, as John over there on the camera. It's not, as, it's not more important than the, the people welcoming people. You know, there is one man in this room and, and uh, there's a lot of people in this room, but this one guy, I want to just embarrass him. You know what he does? He signs people in every week. Every week signs people in. And he remembers everyone's names. There's one lady who came to our church and said, I came the second time. And you're the person downstairs, he remembered my name. And because of that is why I'm joining this church. I want to honor you, Anthony. You're an absolute legend, dude. We love you so much. But you know what? Your grace to give what only you can give. Anthony, you do you, bro, because you're doing a great job being who God's called you to be, man. You got to be who God's called you to be. Because this is what happens. They mind. <laughs> this is church. This is This is the doors to the church, front doors. Notice there's no back door. <laughs> You're never leaving. Anyway. <laughs> there's only one way out. You do you. I've got so much. Can we, an hour, another hour, please? Okay, I'll go. Corinthians, oh my gosh. Corinthians says this. There are different, different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. He's joined us together for a reason. And in Scripture it says, how can the foot say, I'm not important, I want to be the hand, or how can the hand? You're all equally important in your giftings. But this is what we do. We come to church. Sarah, oh, you're not a square. I won't use you as a square. <laughs> you're a star, Sarah. Sarah comes to church. And Sarah's... Sarah's a star. God's designed church with specific shapes all around it, with different giftings and different, different needs. He's designed, he's designed the world like that so your shape fits, who you are created to be, fits into the mold that God has asked you to fit into. We, we can't change who God has called us to be. That no one can tell you, you're not this, you're not that. If God called you to be a star, Sarah, you be a star, Sarah. But this is what happens. We come to church or we go into our work, wherever we go, and we think, you know what? I want to try and be this person. I want to try and be Leon. I want to be like Leon. Well, Sarah, you don't want to be like Leon. I want to be like Christine, right? Because she's a girl. I'm trying to be like Christine. I want to dress like Christine. I want to talk like Christine. I want to do everything that Christine does. But you know what? You're not meant to be Christine, and you're going to get frustrated trying to be someone you're not called to be. You're a star. And if you have a look at the, at, at the church, close the doors, everyone's in. If you want to have a look at the church, there is a spot just for you where you need to be placed so your gifting operates. So all of a sudden, Sarah, she finds out where she's called to do, who she's called to be, and it fits perfect. 
Each one of you is a shape. You got to find out what shape are you? What's your gifting? What are you called to do? Who are you called to be? Ask him. He's the giver of your gift. And then sow it in. Sow it in into his kingdom. In your workplace, you sow it in. Into the church, sow it in. We can't do this on your, well, I need you. I need your gifting. I need Jade and Tim to be who they're called to be. And the way you guys do school, Zion, I need you to do that. I can't do it. I need John to be who he's called to be. The way he loves and ministers to the people that I don't get to, I need you to be John. I don't need you to be Leon or me. I need you to be you. So I need you to be you with the way you're administrated gifts and the way you can organize. I need you to be you, your love and passion for people, your humility. I need you in this church. We need each other. And then Paul finishes with this. He says this. Just remember, he's determined the gift that you have, not you. Don't throw back in his face what he's given you. Don't do what my wife did to me. I bought her a present once at Christmas. Perfectly beautiful present. And I thought, man, these bangles, this bangle, this is it. This is going to be the gift that ends all gifts. I wrapped it up and I just, it was just in a bigger box, I think it was as well, to trick her. She's, un- she's wrapping up, unwrapping everyone's gifts. And I'm like, that's crap, that's crap. Wait until you get to mine. I was so excited, guys. I'm like, yeah, you, when you open this, you're going to love it. Like, I, I thought about you. I went to the shops, 15 shops, and I saved all my money. I thought about your gift. God is saying, I've thought about your gift. I've wired you the way you are because I knew that there was something that the world was missing. And it's your gift, right? And so when it came for her to open up her gift, she, un- she, she wrapped it, unwrapped it all. The look on my face was like, oh my gosh. And she goes, huh. I was went, what's huh? Huh? What's huh? A thousand words were said in that one. Huh? I didn't know she doesn't wear bracelets. Three days later, she exchanged it. And to this day, I promise you, she will never, ever get jewelry from me ever again. I'm just joking. It hurt. I'm honest, babe, it hurt. It actually hurt. And when I decide that my gift is nothing compared to your gift and I want to be John, it hurts the heart of the Father. He's gifted you for a reason. And he ends up with this. Paul says this as as we finish. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed you in the church for all the apostles, second prophets, teachers, miracles, the gifts of healing, the gifts of helping, of guidance and different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do you all speak in tongues? Do you all interpret? Then he says this. Now, eagerly desire the greater, the greater gifts. What's the greatest gift out of all those that I just read? He says this. Which is the greatest gift? Love. Let love be the motive. Let love be the motivating factor in our hearts to serve Him in all we do. I said at the 9 a.m., I'll say it again. Don't hold me to this. If I never was to ever preach another message again, don't hold me to it. It's okay. I don't do it for a platform. I don't do it for glory. I don't do it for anything else. Everything we do is motivated out of love for Him because He gave it all. I'm giving you my life. 
And second, I'm motivated by love for you, the church, Christians all over the world. Timmy Chambers, the way you sacrificially just give of yourself to people nonstop. You never get thanked. You never care about the thank. That, you're motivated by love, bro. That's your gift. That's your gift. That's your gift. You're an evangelist without even having to use words half the time. That's your gift. That's what the world needs. In your workplaces, in your schools, wherever you influence people. The world needs the gift that God... There's a shirt I used to wear. I'll close with this. It said, I'm God's gift to the world or something like that. God's gift. I was a bit arrogant. I still think it's true though. You are God's gift to the world because Christ lives in you. Christ needs to come out of you. And the only way He can do it is if you say yes to Him. Amen. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.